the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Yes, indeed, it is exactly that. Good morning to you. Thank you for joining us as we get underway at seven minutes after the hour of nine o'clock on this Wednesday, the 15th morning of the fifth month of the year of our Lord, 2019. My friends, it's happening. It is happening right before our very eyes. And it is glorious. Liberal heads across this country are exploding at the thought of life winning. Liberal minds melting down. Liberal pro-baby killing organizations ratcheting up their responses. The pro-infanticide party the pod, as I call the Democrat Party, the party of death, doesn't know what to do. Each state that passes a new abortion law makes it more pro-life than the last. No matter what they try, Brian Kemp, governor of Georgia, signs the heartbeat bill down there after Governor DeWine uh, here in Ohio signs a heartbeat bill here. The left goes crazy boycotting the state of Georgia from the film industry, Hollywood saying we won't shoot movies there anymore. They threatened him with that before he signed. They threatened the state of Georgia with that before it was passed in the legislature. And they passed it anyway, affirming to Hollywood, we care more about babies' lives than we do about Hollywood dollars. So they turned to sex. No more sex. All of you men who think you can control what happens to women's bodies, we won't let you touch women's bodies anymore. Sex strike. No more sex. 
<laughs> they thought that was going to have an impact on people fighting for the lives of the unborn. And in stra- some strange, ironic twist of, of, of a bizarro world, they don't even realize that what they're advocating is what pro-lifers have been advocating for decades. How about we reduce the number of unwanted pregnancies by, I don't know, not falling over, well, I don't want to be graphic with that, by not engaging in so much uh, premaritable, non-protected um, sexual activity. Maybe if we cut down on the over-sexualization of this country and this society that we're in right now, maybe we won't have as many women facing unwanted pregnancies or unplanned pregnancies and then having to either choose the post-impregnation, if you will, or post-conception uh, birth control that far too many of them do, called abortion, or deliver their babies, and if they don't want them, give them up for adoption. How about them doing exactly what we have said they should be doing for a very long time? And now, late last night, late Tuesday, the latest example, no matter how angry the left gets, no matter how how many threats the pod, the party of death, no matter how many threats they make, no matter how many promises they make, They're not stopping the pro-life movement. It is glorious to behold. Late Tuesday, Alabama. Alabama took it further than Georgia did. Late last night, Alabama took it further than Ohio did. Late last night, Alabama's state Senate passed what would be and will be when it is signed by the governor the nation's strictest abortion laws. It will be signed by Republican Governor Kay Ivey. House Bill 314 is what it's called. It passed the Alabama Senate by a count of 25 to 6. It does not include exceptions for rape or incest, which I know is a very, very delicate talking point. It's a delicate subject. I really, really understand. I do. I also understand that there is a population, not a large population, but there is a population of American citizens who were the products of pregnancy by rape. And because their mothers chose not to abort that baby, those people are alive today and very grateful and thankful. I understand that side of the argument. I do, but I also understand the argument that a lot of people make on behalf of rape victims, telling them that they have to spend the next nine months carrying their rapist's baby that they did not ask for, that they were not irresponsible in conceiving, uh, is an awfully difficult ask for, uh, for many, many people, including young children. There is a big story right now that it's making its circles it, it, primarily in liberal liberal uh, um, uh, social gatherings online primarily, and that is an 11-year-old girl who is a, a victim of rape who became impregnated at the age of 11, and does she have to carry her rapist baby, this 11-year-old child? It is very, very difficult, but this is where we are. House Bill 314 in Alabama does not have exceptions for rape and incest. 
And earlier in the day, the Senate had rejected an amendment that would have added such exceptions by a 21 to 11 margin. Earlier this month, House Bill 314 was passed by the Alabama House 74 to 3. 74 to 3 in the House, 25 to 6 in the Alabama Senate. You better believe that the governor is going to sign this as well. And the bill's proponents say this strict nature is intended to establish that a baby in the womb is indeed a person. In that regard, it is flying directly in the face of Roe versus Wade. We aimed uh, for language that addresses the language of Roe v. Wade, said the bill's sponsor, Representative Terry Collins from Decatur, Alabama, at an event earlier this week, or excuse me, last week. The decision was based on someone in utero, someone pregnant, so we don't get into conception. We don't want to get into birth control. We don't get into the morning after pill. But in utero, which is the language they used that when a woman is, uh, excuse me, let me read that again, which is the language they use that when a woman is pregnant, this bill criminalizes abortion through the doctor, not through the woman, but through the doctor. The reasoning argues Representative Collins, is the same reasoning Roe versus Wade was decided that a baby in the womb was not a person. So this bill bases its reasoning that the baby in the womb is a person. And we base that on the fact that in Alabama law, we currently consider the baby in the womb a person. If you were a drunk driver and you killed a pregnant woman, you have a double homicide on your hands in Alabama. We voted as a state to be a pro-life state. I'm telling you, the the left is in seriously desperate mode right now. They are panicking. They are doing everything they can, playing every dirty trick in the book that they can think of. And when they can't think of anything, then they get violent. Then they become harassing. Then they become Pennsylvania State Representative Brian Sims harassing old women reading, or excuse me, praying the rosary outside of Planned Parenthood clinics. Then they assault and try to dox young teenage girls uh, to uh, to stop them from praying outside of Roe, or excuse me, <laughs> I almost called them Roe versus Wade clinics. That was a total Freudian slip. But you know what? It's pretty accurate because that's what they are. Because of Roe versus Wade, those clinics exist. But uh, they are in serious desperation mode, and that means we are winning. If they added Representative Collins in Alabama, if they added the exception of rape and incest to the um, uh, to their law, to their bill that's going to be signed into law, it would undermine the argument that maybe is in person. Quote: The biggest thing to attack it with is to say what you're not going to include rape and incest well how do we say the baby inside is a person unless they're conceived in rape or incest end quote and that's a very very fair and valid point the baby deserves rights and protections as a person regardless of how they got where they are in whosever womb that they're in the baby deserves protection Senator Ly, uh, uh, State Senator Clyde Chambliss of Prattville, Alabama, headed the state's Senate effort, which, again, last night voted 25-6 to 6 to pass this very, very restrictive abortion law, said that passage demonstrated Alabama's commitment to the pro-life cause. Life and liberty are not, man, uh, not man-given. They are given by our creator, Senator Chambliss said. Today, Alabama made clear that we will protect our rights and the rights of our unborn children. 
The debate over the bill received national attention during the State House's deliberations after State Representative John Rogers, you'll recall, made some um, interesting remark, remarks about abortion and about the rights of babies to be born and to be given an opportunity in life if they are unwanted, as uh, John Rogers stated. All I'm saying to you, it ought to be a woman's choice. I'm not about to be as a male tell a woman what to do with her body. She has the right to make that decision herself. To rape her headset. Some kids are unwanted. So you kill them now, kill them later. You, you bring them in the world unwanted, unloved. Then you send them to the electric chair. So you kill them now, I'll kill them later. I'm going to uh, go ahead and assume he was one of the six nays on the Senate's passage of this bill. We've talked a lot about him. I don't know that I can stomach talk, talking much more about him. Other than just to say, Alabama, seriously, I'm. what, what can we do? What can we do? What can we say about this other than you elected this man and he's still serving? He's still serving as a senator in the state of Alabama. It is, um, it is, he gets to vote on life changing, life saving, or life taking decisions. He's, he's in a position of authority and it's a position of power and that's something Alabama needs to rectify. Um, all right, so so this is the story. Alabama basically has said it's not the mom that we're going after here, but abortion doctors. If you perform an abortion, you are violating the Hippocratic Oath that you took, which is first, do no harm. Uh, it starts with that. Do no harm. And since the baby is a second patient in an abortive procedure, you have patient A on the table, patient B inside the patient on the table, each have distinct personhood each have uh the rights that come with being a person a recognized human being in the state of alabama if a doctor poisons or tears apart or in whatever other graphic and ghastly procedure that they want to use to terminate a pregnancy if they do that to the child they will be guilty of a crime now what kinds of punishments what does the bill say don't know that don't know that yet um, but after several hours of contentious debate last night, it was 25 to 6. It's the most strict abortion ban in the nation. It makes it a felony in Alabama to uh, perform an abortion, a doctor to perform an abortion. A similar measure already passed the House, but controversy erupted last week uh, after an attempt to add amendments to uh, allow for rape and incest. Uh, like I said, were added. Another attempt to add those exceptions yesterday failed, led to a filibuster attempt. Proponents of the measure pushed for a clean bill without amendments in order to clear the way to a legal fight in the Supreme Court and a review of Roe v. Wade from 1973. The bill now goes to Kay Ivey, who will decide whether to sign it into law, and I think it's very, very uh, obvious that that indeed will be signed. My question to you for the purposes of our discussion today, first of all, you can join me in applauding the continued growth and expansion of the pro-life movement because the infanticide that has been carried out over the course of the last, uh, what are we looking at here, uh, 45 year plus years, I'm not doing the math, 2019 minus 1973, but um, uh, over this, this period of time, um, the infanticide that has been carried out has been essentially unchallenged. 
And now state by state by state by state, we are fighting and challenging this assault on human life, this taking, this theft of human life. And we're winning. But my question for you, as it pertains to this Alabama law, I would like you to tell me how you feel about the particular amendments that were being requested here when it comes to rape and incest. I know many people who actually are pro-life. They go to the Washington, D.C. March for Life rallies in the spring. Uh, they argue on behalf of life. They argue on behalf of personhood, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, for the baby. But they oppose restrictive abortion laws that do not make exceptions for when a woman is raped or when a, uh, a, a, a conception is the product of incest which is going to lead, obviously, to some serious problems. Um, I want to know how you feel about that, because I do understand both sides. I really do. I am pro-life all the way, but I do understand the rape and incest requests, those that request for those amendments to be added. I would like to know how you feel about that. 216-901-0945, Please dial now with your thoughts. We'll take your calls after this on AM 1420, The Answer. Bob France, Authority, here on AM 1420, The Answer. All right, 928 short segment here, and that's okay. Uh, we've got uh, plenty of time between now and 10 o'clock to take your phone calls on this. At 10.05, by the way, my friend David Ray from the Federation for American Immigration Reform will be by to talk to us about, uh, well, the border and uh, the continuing problems, the expanding crisis. We're going to talk about Lindsey Graham's uh, po- uh, possible or proposed solutions uh, to the amnesty laws. The problem with Lindsey Graham is every time he adds something great uh, to a bill, uh, then we find out the other shoe hasn't dropped yet, and it looks like Lindsey Graham is uh, ready to rebuild the Gang of Eight, and that's a problem. In other words, once we secure the border change of the asylum laws, then there's going to be a movement to legalize or provide amnesty for the 11 to 12 to 13 to 20 million that are already in the United States. That's a problem. So Dave Ray will address that with us coming up at about 10.05, But as I said, I want to get uh, phone calls. Here's Dan in Middleburg Heights. Dan, um, as it pertains to rape and incest, those are the, the biggest stumbling blocks for a lot of people who want to be 100% pro-life and who want to make sure that abortion is illegal. A lot of people, including some that I talk to, believe rape and incest should be accepted from that. E-X, not accepted, but E-X-C-E-P-T, accepted from that. What do you say? Uh, my position is, and I've heard you talk about this several times, but just as a, it's a, dumb, a double homicide, if you right. uh, you know if you if you run into and you you know you kill a woman you know right. it's a double homicide right right okay I believe that the position of the states and the people in general but uh, specifically the state uh, that uh, there are no exceptions but it should be explained to everybody that the state should have set up because there are people in this world that are looking for children to love okay. Mm -hmm. So I'm not a highly religious guy or anything, but I'm just saying technically this is a life. It's life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. So you need to protect that life, and it should be understood from schools, from when you're 
when you're born from your parents that uh, if something like that would happen, you would carry it to the end. But the state would have programs set up to the highest level, either through the state or through religious organizations, to find uh, a proper um, uh, parent for that child if you don't want it. If you can yeah, prove providing, it was providing or, a home, yeah, providing a home and a foster or adoptive parent right. for an unwanted child is one thing. That's an aspect that I think should be a given. I agree with you on that. The problem, though, the question is, is is it right to make a rape victim, particularly if they happen to be very, very young, is it right to make them have to go through the body changes and the life-changing experience of pregnancy and then delivering a baby because she was violently assaulted? That's the question here and that a lot of people have, and that's what I want. I want to... Uh, you know what? Let's just let's just call this a brainstorming session. Throw everything you want out there. We'll see what sticks, and we'll see if we can come to something here. But I would like to hear from you. How do you feel about the rape and incest exceptions that are uh, asked for by so many in anti-abortion laws? I want to get your thoughts on that after the news, right here on AM fourteen twenty. Come. These are. Uh, you know, these are not easy questions, my friends, and that's literally why I'm asking you, because I, I sometimes don't know how to answer them myself when people have asked me. Um, when it comes to abortion, and, and again, I want just for the breaking news uh, aspect of all of this, the state of Alabama uh, passed last week in the state house by a huge margin, uh, the most restrictive abortion law in the country. It passed last night, the state Senate, 25 to 6, another massive margin. And the way that it did it is very, very important to note because in 1973, Roe v. Wade legalized abortion by declaring essentially that the baby in the mother's womb is not a person. It denied that, that child the status of personhood. Alabama legitimately and literally said we're doing just the opposite. We are cons- we are considering the baby, the unborn baby, the preborn baby, a person, and therefore, if you harm that person, it's a felony. Which means they are not trying to criminalize this for the woman. They are criminalizing this through the doctor. It's a huge deal, and as noted, they did not include any exceptions to the law for rape and incest. And when people say to me, how do you justify that, Bob, and, and they have said this, I'm telling you, I meet pro-life people, I talk to pro-life people, because I'm a pro-life person, and how do you justify that? How do you justify telling a rape victim, and particularly, like I said, there's a terrible, terrible story going on right now with an 11-year-old girl here in the state of Ohio, an 11-year-old girl who found herself pregnant as a result of a rape. And according to the new state of Ohio law, if it's past six weeks or roughly six weeks that a fetal heartbeat can be, can be detected, that little girl uh, cannot have that rape-induced pregnancy terminated. This 11-year-old is going to be forced to go through the adult experience of pregnancy, carrying a baby to term, or until a natural termination of pregnancy by way of a miscarriage in, in one so young, that is certainly a possibility as well. But they'll say to me, how can you justify telling an 11-year-old, let alone telling any woman, that you have to carry the baby of your rapist um, when you did not 
plan for this. You did not. You also were not irresponsible in your sex, sexual, uh, uh, you know, lifestyle. You didn't. You, you know, you're not. You're not having unprotected sex with with people, and you know, you you were victimized. How do you tell somebody who's trying to live the right way um, that they now must undergo the life changing experience of pregnancy for? Uh, because they were they were victimized by someone. Now this isn't often as obviously we talk about this statistically speaking when it comes to a number of the number of abortions in the state of Ohio or around the country, the number of them that are the result of a rape or the result of an incestual relationship, extremely low. But nonetheless, it, it does happen. And when it happens, what do you say? I, I don't have the answers. This is one of those few times when I'm going to be on the air with you and I'm not going to be telling you this is what I think must be done. This is exactly how it should be. This is you know, what my research and experience and intelligence tells me and my understanding of the law or the Constitution. I'm not going to preach here and tell you what I think should happen. I'm literally kind of dumbfounded as to how we answer those questions. And I would love to hear from you on this. 216-901-0945, 888-281-1110. Dial right now. Christine, in Cleveland, you are on the Bob France Authority. Good morning. Go right ahead, Christine. Good morning, Bob. Hi, I am pro-choice, and I am pro-choice due to rape and incest. Um, I Example with an adult, if a woman plans to not have kids, and she does everything, birth control, and stay in her 30s and 40s, she is violently raped, and she gets pregnant. How are you, how does anyone have the right that she, tell her that she has to carry that baby when she has planned her life to not have any kids. Um, I have a problem with that. I also have a problem with incest. I work with kids that are in residential treatment and um, facilities and girls that are incest victims from their brothers. And to tell 11 and a 12-year-old or a 13-year-old ch- child that they have to have a baby from a brother, an uncle, a dad, I don't see how people don't see that that's a crime in itself to make a child go through that pregnancy and say, well, she can have, you know, be pregnant and then give the child up. What's the problem with it? You're expecting a child that already went through a traumatic, horrific experience now goes through a whole nother life changing experience. And that's, yeah, that's, that's the reason, that's that, Christine. The, those are those are the reasons that I'm asking the question. I don't necessarily have yeah. the answer, other than the obvious yeah. answer is, which is, um, if if even if it's through no fault of the young mother, meaning, and I say mother, even though one may not have planned to be a mother, but the 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 woman now yeah. who has who has uh, conceived a child, even through a violent act, um, mm-hmm. that's not. That's not the baby's fault how it was conceived. And the baby is still, if it's recognized again as a person with rights, the baby might not have, you know, I didn't choose to be here, but I'm here now. Please give me an opportunity to live. That's the, that's the flip side of the coin. Now I want to ask you, Christine, because you started your call by saying you're pro-choice. Then you said because of this and this. Are you pro-choice only in the, uh, in the, uh, uh, instances of pregnancy and incest or, or in general? Um, I'm gonna. I was raised Catholic, okay. so I even I had gone on a, a pro-choice mar- march when I was younger, saying mm-hmm. I'm still Catholic and I'm pro-choice. I, I I look at the topic like if you use it as a birth control, if you're just you use it as whatever, you're gonna have to answer to God in the end on that. 
um, I am, I, I don't approve of you're just going and using that, and that's what people are doing as a birth control, especially in the younger generation today. I, my main thing is, 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 yes, incest and rape. I think we don't take it serious enough in today's society, um, and I think that's when you're telling a, a woman or female or a young girl that they have to go through with something that was such a serious, serious act to them. And that's, that's really, I probably, I, that's my main reason why I am pro-choice. Okay. Well, I, yeah. I, I appreciate your explanation of that. And I would hope that, and by the way, and thank you for the way you frame that, um, you know, you're going to have to answer to God and we all have to answer to God, uh, at some point for our sins, but it also is incumbent upon us as human beings, is it not, to try to protect those who could and would be victimized um, before the individual that will have to answer to God carries out that act. I may have been clumsy in my explanation of that question, but what I'm trying to say is a murderer who shoots another person is going to have to answer to God, but do we not intervene to stop that murder from happening if we can by just saying, well, God will take care of him. God will handle that guy. No, we still will try to tackle the murderer murderer before he can fire. We will try to shield or protect the would-be murder victim. We don't just say, well, God will handle it. We still, it's incumbent upon us to try to save lives when we can, right? I think we all agree with that. If that's the case, I'm not comfortable when it comes to protecting babies by just saying God will handle it. Um I, I just I, we we owe better than that. The 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 defenseless lives among us deserve better than that. As it pertains to rape and incest, however, now we have a different kind of a conversation. Christine just asked the questions, repeated the questions that I have. How do you tell a young rape victim? How do you tell a young child who's been uh, sexually assaulted by a sibling, you know, a brother? And this does happen more than we want to know about. How do we tell that child if they're impregnated by a, uh, an incestual sibling or if they're impregnated by a sexually abusive family member or, God forbid, even a father? Um, that happens also. How do you tell them they have to then carry the baby to term and deliver it? Uh, I don't know the answers. I also know that you don't want to, you know, if you're pro-life, you're pro-life, and you're not supposed to make exceptions. Uh, Andrew is in Akron on AM 1420, The Answer. Andrew, some heavy stuff to discuss this morning. What's your take on this? Uh, yeah, <laughs> excuse me. Uh, hi, Bob. Um, yeah, I was driving around. I've never called into a show before. Um, I What you're touching on tonight, um, I just, within the last year or so, found out my situation, and I am uh, the product of a rape. Um, and... Um, I'm very pro-life. I always have been. I'm very libertarian, conservative uh, person. Uh, I have a large family. I have six children. Um, yeah, I'm really torn about your topic. I only pulled over because you said there is a small subset of people, and I am one of them. And I just, like I said, I've only found out in the last few years. Um, uh, my mother was only 15 at the time, and the... Uh, the father was uh, 18 years old back in the 60s. I'm, I'm in my 50s. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I'm really torn about it because I have daughters. And um, 
If if I may, Andrew, before you continue, um, just because I'm very interested and almost fascinated with the story that you're telling me, um, did your mother know her rapist? Was this a date rape kind of a thing, or was she just violently attacked by a stranger? Do you know any of the details? Um, well, I was adopted, um, okay, and so I was able to pull my file, and uh, Ohio opened up the adoption registry a few years ago, so I was able to find out a little bit more about my situation and i actually got a social worker to really uh, give me a long long detailed um background uh evidently it was uh she just caught a ride to a party uh around new year's eve and um that's when it took place and it did go to court uh so i was able to find out his name and it, it definitely it definitely was a sexual assault um have you met so she did she did not know him have you met your birth mother? No, unfortunately, um, she passed away um, about 10 years ago, I found out. Uh, but through the, um, I did do uh, Ancestry.com, and through that, I did find that she had uh, more children after me, and, and I've connected with them. Uh, there's uh, three others, um, two of which really struggle with their lives. Uh, the other one... Uh, had a hard childhood, but uh, really it's turned out really great. We, we get along great, and um, just very thankful to be here. I, I was a little upset when I found out she, she was deceased. I really just wanted to thank her. Um, she obviously took very good care of me. I was very healthy. Um, back in those days, I found out they actually put, put girls like that in a uh, maternity home. They kind of hid them away. That's right. Uh, which, that is correct. That is exactly yeah. what they did. And Andrew, I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of advance the conversation here in the interest of time. So, uh, you said you were adopted at what age? I mean, from birth, or you know, like right from after birth. she delivered from, you, did you from, automatically yes. go into adoption proceedings? Uh, within yeah, within about three weeks, three or four weeks. So that's all I've ever known. And so your um, your adoptive for, mother and father uh, never told you about the circumstances. Did they know the circumstances? Uh, they, did they no, know that they your birth mother know. was a rape victim? No, they did not. They knew. I, I've always known I was adopted. They are great, great people. Mm-hmm. Gave me a beautiful life. Uh, like I said, my children are beautiful. They're total blessing. Um, no, they did not know that. I don't think it would have mattered to them knowing knowing the kind of people they are. Um, like I said, I only found out a couple years years ago when I was able to get some more detailed information from my social worker down at the adoption place here in uh, Summit County. Now, since um, you did since you did both checking the adoption records and then ancestry, um, do you know the name of the fa- your father, your birth father, who who I, sexually assaulted I, yes, your I do. mother? And have, have you I met did, or I had do. contact it's, with him? Does he know uh, you exist? He, uh, he has to because he went to court, and the court case drug out well into the pregnancy. Uh, I actually was able to pull those records down at the uh, courthouse. Went to court uh, to with do his what? name on it. Pardon me? He went to court to do what? The, her family charged, he was charged with the crime. Oh, you mean the criminal. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Okay, so he was charged with rape, and was he convicted? And yeah. Did, okay, so he was convicted. They, so have you, have it, you had it, any contact well, it looks with him? Like, it looks like they pled, pled it out. I, don't, I didn't follow up that much with him, mm-hmm. and no, he's deceased. Okay, he's uh, deceased also. Quite a, he's deceased also with uh, his own family, evidently, which I have not contacted. I have no real interest in that um they i don't i'm sure he knew though because he was in his court case 
during the pregnancy, so he he had to have he known. He knew that the that the woman or the young girl, the fifteen year old that he had sexually assaulted and raped, was pregnant. Um, Correct. So, 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 Andrew, I'm, I I can't tell you how much I appreciate you pulling over your car to to talk with me this morning about this. So, bottom line, then, as a baby. Um, who was conceived from a violent act, the violent act of rape. You are obviously eternally grateful to your young 15-year-old mother for for making the decision to carry you and give you life, and you were raised in a wonderful adopted uh, home. Uh, how do you, What message do you have for people who ask this question about what just happened in Alabama and right here in the state of Ohio with our own heartbeat bill now? or heartbeat law, rather, that if it's uh, past uh, the time a fetal heartbeat is recognized, no abortion is legal, including in the cases of rape and incest. How do you, uh, as a, as a quote-unquote survivor of one of those situations, how do you, how do you sp- speak to those people? Uh, my logical side, Bob, is that's a child regardless. But my father's side, uh, looking at my young daughters, it would be tough. I'm, I'm very... I wanted to thank uh, my birth mother profusely uh, for my life. It's If not through my life, my children wouldn't be here, and they're a blessing to so many people. They're just wonderful human beings that are just so productive members of society. Um, I'm torn, and I, I'm, I'm, I'm really torn, especially when you're talking 11-, 12-year-olds. Um, you know, I'll, I, I, it's just because I'm the result of this doesn't make it any less, any less tough for somebody. I, no, I, I, I'm, I, I completely I'm, understand, and I understand why. If you can be a, somewhat at a loss for words now, because it's it's almost impossible to try to reconcile all of those feelings. You were you survived, uh, and you you are grateful to your mother for for allowing you to have that opportunity, but you don't want to demand. Uh, you know, not every mother, perhaps, or every young girl who was forced into a situation like that is as strong as your birth mother was, uh, and, 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 and maybe unable or strong psychologically or in well, any other well, way to make that well, happen. Well, I will so say, very, from very what I, yeah, well, I will say, from what I understand, uh, it really put her into a tough life. She got pregnant, you know, three more times with, with different men and, uh, got into stuff that is way out of character for, for her family uh, background that I learned, which is very white-collar, mm-hmm. uh, really a really nice up, up-to-do family. But it really, it really, I think, wrecked her life, uh, honestly, seeing how she behaved afterwards. Um, that would not be abnormal at all. That, that, that kind of thing exa- it, uh, has that impact on people. Studies have shown that sort of thing, that people who are victims of violent crime often then go, grow up to, uh, to uh, make some very, very poor choices and to reenact some of those themselves. They, you know, oftentimes they'll carry out their own, the, the kind of crimes that were, carry, that were committed against them, against others. That kind of sad uh, reality is, is there. Andrew, uh, I would say God bless you, uh, but obviously he already has with the gift of life. And, oh, uh, and your children I'm as incredibly well. so, uh, blessed. Yep. Yeah, it sounds like you really yep. are. No problem. Andrew, thank you so much uh-huh. for your phone call, and I appreciate yep. you sharing your story with us. Um, it's 9.54. We'll be right back. Volunteer with the American Red Cross. Help your community prepare for emergencies and help your neighbors in Northeast Ohio. Recover from disasters like home fires and severe weather. Visit redcross.org slash NEO for more information. 
right, it's nine fifty-seven. Uh, I uh, I really wanted to I really wanted to take as much time with that phone call as I could. I, I ended up running out of it, but uh, as uh, the caller said, I I made a note earlier on in my my monologue that there is a very very small number of pregnancies. You know, unplanned pregnancies around this country that are the result of rape and incest. And I think percentage-wise, you'll find that that's true. But they are there. They are there. And thus, there is a very small percentage of those pregnancies that result in the carrying of a child to term and giving them a life or an opportunity at a life. And and lo and behold... Um, I don't know if I want to call it divine intervention, but suddenly listening to my program at that time was somebody who experienced it, somebody who is alive today uh, because the mother, the birth mother, uh, their birth mother, um, who had been sexually assaulted and got pregnant through a violent act, chose not to end that pregnancy, um, and you could, they could have. I will tell you this, uh, not all abortions started in 1973. Quite obviously, it's just when the Supreme Court uh, made it legal through Roe versus Wade. But there were you had to have medical um, approval uh, for the re, you know for need for one. But I know this because I have told my own story on a, on a number of occasions. Um, I also was adopted. Now my birth mother was not victimized. My birth mother was a teenager, but was not victimized. It wasn't a rape situation. But she uh, she you know she she became pregnant. Um, through a man that she thought she was going to spend the rest of her life with uh, until he found out that she was pregnant and he bolted and left her alone. Um, and it was her decision. She did have approval for medical reasons to terminate that pregnancy, but she chose not to. She did, gave birth to me and then gave me up for adoption. And I was raised uh, by my parents, uh, the two people that I know as my parents, my mother and my father, and given an opportunity at life. So I know a little bit about what that last caller was talking about, what it feels like to be given a chance. Um, and I thank God every day. Uh, I do. Uh, because as the caller said, his children would not exist were it not for the brave decision made by his birth mother. And I would say the same thing about mine. Um, does being raped make all of that go away? each person is going to have to answer that question for themselves. That's kind of the point I'm trying to make here. Not every person who is victimized in such a way as his mother was is strong enough to say, I can carry this baby. And the fact that she did then may have led to the traumatic life that she endured after that. Is that something you should uh, make a victim of a violent crime do? And that's why we're asking this question. I think so many of us, probably close to 100% of the people who listen to the show are pro-life. But do you make an exception in the cases of rape and incest. The state of Ohio's heartbeat law does not. The state of Alabama's new restrictive abortion law does not as well. Uh, I want to know how you feel about that. 216-901-0945. Back after the news. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.